The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. I love Wednesdays when I have the great honor of talking with people who've moved through grief to a life of greater meaning and passion. Do you know people like that whose grief led to a new life's purpose or deepened something they were already passionate about? I'd really... I'd really like to hear those stories, so please share them with me. And let me know who you'd like to to hear on Good Grief. The show is so much better when it includes people I haven't run across. All the links you need to be in touch with me are at my host page at Voice America. Today I'm welcoming Lynn Waldrop. As a medical intuitive, Lynn Waldrop is known as the body channel and energetically dives into each of the body systems of her clients, such as the nervous system and organ systems. The body talks to her, showing her areas of dis-ease and the means to change it while she's in there. Lynn is the creator of the body channel, a certified color and tuning fork master, Reiki master, certified access consciousness facilitator, I want to hear more about that, and three-day body class facilitator. Lynn empowers her clients to create and generate change in their own lives and bodies. She says about her work, life is like Play-Doh. If you don't like what you've created, laugh at it, smash it, and create something new. Welcome, Lynn. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I Cheryl. like the smash it especially. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we'd like to smash what we create. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes we need to as well, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you sent your your bio over to me, I had obviously uh, found you. Um, because at the time you were doing another show on the station and I was very intrigued by the work you do. And when I got your biography, I realized I didn't know very much about a lot of the things that you do. Um, some are a little more familiar. I, I live in California. You know, it's a lot of alternative treatments out here, but some not at all. So I wondered if you could just describe the different aspects of your work to the listeners because maybe they're not familiar either. Sure. I guess I started about, uh, officially about 25 years ago. Um, I'm actually a, I went to seminary school and am a um, metaphysical minister uh, and actually went to four years of seminary school for it. So I can marry you and bury you on top of everything else. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, in that, I started uh, doing Reiki and I started doing color therapy. I just fell in love with color therapy because it, can just move energy so quickly, uh, but it's such a gentle movement, whereas in my sound practice, 
a lot of things move a lot quicker. And while that's great for some people, maybe not so great for others. So, and and so, can you can you describe a little? First of all, some people may not even know what I happen to know a little bit about Reiki therapy. But can you tell us what the the principle of that is? Sure. With color therapy, it's literally you practice it every day, whether you know it or not. When you, especially if you're a woman, and and in the evening you pick out what you're going to wear tomorrow, and then the next day you wake up and you go, Nah, I don't feel like wearing that today. That's your body saying that's not the color that is going to give me the nourishment that I require today. So your body really doesn't require nearly as much food as we give it, even though I love food. Uh, (laughs) But what it does require is color and light, and color and light is actually food for the body. So like the color green is the, the color that tries to bring the whole entire body, all of the bodies, back into complete balance. So for an entire year, I slept underneath a green light. And ever since I've done that, I don't believe I've had a cold, the flu, or pretty much any ailment, and that was years and years and years and years ago. Wow. Was that a regular light or some kind of special green light? A regular light with a green bulb or... Yeah, I always try to give my clients the option. The truth is, start out with a green light bulb. The only thing I don't ever suggest is a fluorescent light bulb because fluorescent light is terrible for the body. Um, it right. actually I've heard that. So I definitely wouldn't do fluorescent, those curly Q kind, but a regular incandescent or some of the newer lights that they have out the LEDs, you want to be careful how close you put those um, to, to your body with the LEDs. But... Those kind of lights are perfect. You can buy one of those shop lamps at Home Depot that clip on things. I love using them because you can clip it on your bedpost or clip it on a lamp. It just makes it real easy. Or you can take the lampshade off. And most people would think that, oh, I couldn't fall asleep under that. It's way too bright. Well, mm-hmm. I have always needed, you know, blackout shades to sleep, and it's got to be quiet and dark. And let me tell you, I'll be snoring like a banshee underneath the green light. So it's kind of a soothing energy yeah. then, huh? Yep. And if you have a dog, they'll try to knock you off the bed so they can get under it. <laughs> that could be dangerous. <laughs> so that's the color therapy. And can you tell me some about some of the other things you do? Let's see. The um, uh, body channeling. Mm-hmm. The body channel is kind of the, the newest thing that I have out. It's basically... Um, it really started about 20 years ago, but it's, it's where the bo- somebody else's body just basically sucks me in. So it's almost like that um, movie from the 80s where this um, Patrick Swayze, I think it was, was in this machine and he shrunk down to the size of a pill and somebody swallowed him and then he was moving through somebody's body. That's I remember that, yeah. It, it, it was like uh, space travel almost, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of what my life is pretty much like these days because that's the one that I, I do the most. And I just literally get sucked into the different systems of the body and the body will show me, you know, where there's any kind of disease, where there's polyps, where there's, you know, it can be, uh, it's just been fascinating the different things that the bodies have shown me. Um, and some people have gone to, you know, doctors and know specifically what their diagnoses are, and then they go and do a session and they go back and, and the doctor can confirm that it's gone, and sometimes they don't even know what the problem was. But while I'm in there, 
the biggest gift of all of it is for the most part, I've been given different frequencies or different ways to actually change stuff while I'm in there. So sometimes you can, you can uh, facilitate some healing in the yes. process and yes. not just let people know what you think is going on, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what would that feel like to someone who was working with you, do you imagine? I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard from people what it, what it feels like. Do they experience some kind of shift as you're working with them? Oh, yeah. And, and I can do this either with you on the phone or you on Skype or a lot of people uh, would rather just either sleep or lay down. And so I just literally will do it remotely and call them when I'm done and we'll talk for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. But even the people that I'm, I'm saying nothing to, uh, in some of the trials that I did, I asked them to kind of write down where they thought I was and what they felt in their bodies and things like that. And every last one of them knew exactly where I was in their body. And, and knew what I was working on. That's so amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's just totally fascinating to me. I love doing it. You know, one thing I'm aware of in, in my work is that often people do not, um, there may be things they're dissatisfied with, and this applies to me way back too, but they really have to be terribly miserable to do something like walk through a therapy door or I'm guessing walk through your door um, and so I'm guessing you you probably end up working with a lot of people in some sort of physical or emotional crisis. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah. A lot of the people, even before I did the body channel work and did either sound with tuning forks or color or Reiki or whatever, a lot of times I was the last stop for, for people. Um, mm. And so, you know, you do your best to try to show them the truth of what's going on and you know sometimes you can and sometimes you can't and one of the things I try to really stress to to my clients is that your thoughts feelings and emotions create your whole world first of all you are the Picasso of your own world you are the creator of it so just like my you said at the beginning my little tagline to me life is like play-doh so if I don't like what I've created instead of being upset by it instead of uh, sitting there, I call it sitting in your poopy pants, instead of just sitting there in it, why not choose something else? And, and by the way, we're all these master creators, even when we create the junk we create, right? So why not laugh at that and go, okay, if I have that much capacity to create that much junk in my life, then obviously <laughs> I have the capacity to create what I really desire. I just need to turn that kaleidoscope a little bit. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm, I'm super aware that sometimes where people go with that is some, somehow becoming very self-critical. That's, that's real danger. Oh, look what, look what mess I created. But what it sounds like you're saying is, okay, that's what you, what you were doing then, but you can make a different choice. You can, you can make some changes. Yes? Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but laugh at it in the process. Uh, but laugh at it in the process. That reminds me of, um, I, I think it was a Zen master uh, who suggested taking tea with the demons. Have you ever heard that? I have <laughs> you know, not, so but I like Invite them in, have them sit down and and tell them, you're very funny. What What's going on with you? <laughs> you know, which I always, which always made me laugh. So that's my, it. that's my picture for what you're talking about. Do, do you... So when it first 
came to you that you had some capacity to to work in this way, was it easy to accept? Because it's unusual, you know, or maybe it isn't in your world, but in many people's world it would be. Was it just exciting or was it kind of hard to um, hard to embrace for you? I guess it came in different layers. You know, I've been talking to different entities for as long as I can remember. And my grandmother, I'd go, would take me somewhere and I'd be sitting there chatting to this person. And when I was done, I, I would, you know, try to introduce my grandmother to this person. And she'd go, Lynn, you realize you're the only one that can see that man. But she never you know, she never criticized me for it. She was just fascinated. She would just sit there and watch me having this conversation. And so she actually helped to kind of cultivate it and and also told me that not everybody can receive that. So be careful, you know, who you do that to. And so I kind of had to learn, okay, is this person really here? Is this person not really here? Can everybody see them or can only I see them or what is this? And Mm -hmm. you start to kind of fine tune that as, as you're growing up. But even when I became an adult, um, actually, some of my coworkers uh, forced me to go to uh, a very famous healer here in the Atlanta area named Joyce Reynolds, who has been kind of a mentor of mine, and, and forced me to take a, um, a psychic awareness class with her. And that really changed my life because, I, again, I didn't really realize how different I was until that day because we just she just gave us some instructions and then gave us a partner and said, here, I want you to go do a reading for this person. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to do this. What is she talking about? <laughs> and so she put us in this other room and I'm holding this woman's hand. And, uh, and I said, you know, this sounds crazy, but let me just tell you what I see. And I saw her on like a floaty in this huge martini glass the size of an ocean. And she's just in the sun having a good time. And then all of a sudden this storm comes in and she just starts getting rocked off of her floaty and she's just getting flipped over. And I'm, I'm afraid she's going to drown in this martini glass, right? And so mm-hmm. when I tell her this, she bursts into tears and runs out of the room. And I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? It's my first one, right? Yes. And Joyce comes in and she said, Lynn, you don't get it. She said, she is an alcoholic. She stopped drinking three days ago and the martini is her drink and she really wishes she had one right now. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. And so from that point on, I really kind of became a seeker in how can I fine tune this? How can I use this to help people? How how can I change my world and everybody else's world with this? That's interesting, too, because you, you're, you said your friends kind of forced you to go. Uh, so they must have seen something, yes, but they had to force you. And yet, once you were there, it was like, oh, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. That's, so, that's so interesting how we, how we re- resist our greatest gifts in a way sometimes, yeah. especially yeah, when we're young, <laughs> for sure. And so then you just started um, practicing with people, or how did you, what did you do next? Well, after that, basically, I just started doing mini readings for, for parties and for friends and different things like that. And then really, the next step that changed my life, which started to create this uh, body channel, was a friend of mine's grandmother, who we called Baba, had gone into a coma, and she was in Pennsylvania, and I was here in Atlanta. And my friend uh, had done a bunch of readings. She was a school teacher and always having kids over. So I had always done all these readings for her, for her students and stuff and having a good time. And she said, you know, is there anything you can do to help Baba? 
And so I went into meditation and all of a sudden I found myself in her hospital room and I'm sitting next to her and I'm having this telepathic conversation with her. And I'm like, wow. And and it was so odd. It was like being in a movie and watching the movie at the same time. Mm. And and all of a sudden I said, well, Baba, can I go and see what's wrong with you? And she said, yeah. And all of a sudden her mouth opened and I literally turned into like this vapor and would dive through a system and would come out and have knowledge of what was going on in there and dive again. And I just kept doing this. And so by the time I was done, I had two tests, names of two tests that I had no idea what those were, what they meant, uh, that the doctors would need to run to find out what was wrong with her and also exactly what was wrong with her. And uh, so I, when I woke up, I was back at my house in Atlanta and I called my friend and she's like, oh my God, how am I going to get my mom to, to make the doctors, you know, force them to do these tests? And I'm like, look, I did my job. You've got to figure that one out. <laughs> That's not your department. Huh? That's right. And so her mother was, you know, she was a very confident woman and she got the job done. And sure enough, exactly the information I had given her was what the doctors confirmed the diagnosis. Now she ended up passing anyways, but it was, it really kind of freaked me out and I kind of tabled it for a little while where I only kind of dabbled because it was just a, a, such an interesting experience for me. I guess I felt like, wow, I'm not sure I could ever do that again. And when you try to force something, you know, it just doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. Well, the other thing I I, I uh, kind of resonate with with there is I've had just a few moments in my life of of knowing something that I didn't have any way to know, and it's mm-hmm. actually, and for instance, nine eleven. I woke up and said something's wrong to my to my wife, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of scary. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it takes some getting used to to know something inside of yourself that you have no way to know because it's not really the way our culture is set up. And yet many, many people experience that uh, on, on big or small levels. Yeah. Totally agree. So now you're used to it. I'm, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. And and now I've learned, I've learned a lot. Really I learned with Joyce that the information I do get, I don't doubt, which is probably one of the biggest things that people have to get over when they are, you know, in this kind of situation, like when, when 9-11 happened, did you doubt the information when you had that wonky feeling of something's wrong today, something's just off? You know, I, it was so um, palpable that I actually didn't. I didn't uh, doubt it. I didn't know what it was, but I didn't doubt it. Yep. Uh, so that was a mercy for sure. So we're, it's time for our first break. It came fast. And during the break, listeners, please go to the Good Grief host page at Voice America to find out more about Lynn Waldrop. Go to lynnwaldrop.com. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm the host of Good Grief, Cheryl Jones. You can find me at Voice America and at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. Today I'm speaking with Lynn Waldrop, a medical intuitive whose mission is to remove blocks in the emotional and physical body so that people can move through difficulty more effectively. Um, and I know you... you, you um, Sometimes you're just getting information, perhaps not even about a block, but just about something that's happening, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, what I want to really try to talk about in this segment is how, first of all, whether um, what you do for work has affected the way you go f- through your own losses. Every life has losses in them. Um, how does that go for you, given given what you um, believe and, and think about uh, just, what, remodeling your life? Mm-hmm. You know, it's been interesting. The, probably the biggest thing that really catapulted me into opening my own store, opening my own business and doing this full time was the death of my mother. Uh, my mother had been healthy my entire life. I could not remember that woman even having a cold and she was so funny because she believed she smoked four packs a day and she had one of those humongous 80 cup picnic coffee pot makers and she made one early in the morning and that's all she drank. So she drank 80 cups of coffee a day. Ooh, that's a and lot she, of coffee. <laughs> yep, but she didn't drink water. She didn't drink soda. She didn't drink anything else. That's all she drank was black coffee all day. And, um, she had an honest belief that nicotine and caffeine counteracted each other. And as soon as any, and and she passed when she was 83, as soon as she got into her late seventies, early eighties, a lot of her friends and stuff were dying. And she said that every one of them, you know, either smoked or drank coffee or smoked and drank coffee. And when they went to the hospital for some ailment, the doctor always took them off of one or the other. And as soon as that happened within three months, they were dead. So my mother had a stroke um, over weevils in a box of cornflakes, and, um, and she survived it, and she was fine. But when she was in rehab, they diagnosed her with a stomach aneurysm. And the one meeting I didn't go to, I was kind of in charge of her health at that point. The one meeting I didn't go to was with the doctor who was going to do the um, arterial surgery to fix the um, aneurysm. And, and I kept saying, you know, I personally, with the way people die these days, I'd rather just have the aneurysm where one day, literally, I just, it just goes 
And I just know that I've lived my life to the fullest every day. And I love you to everybody and, and just go instantly rather than what I see a lot of people suffer through these days. But she was afraid of that. And so she decided to have the surgery and she survived the surgery. But one of the most common side effects to the surgery is a heart attack. And so she ended up having a heart attack, was in ICU for a month. They had her on a ventilator. And when she finally got out of there, she was so mad at my father and I because for a woman who didn't really believe in any of my psychic abilities, she told us stories about how she hovered over her bed and she could recall all of the jokes that the nurses told. The nurse's station was right in front of her room. All the people that came in, the ambulance, I mean, she could recall everything. And she was just so angry that she had this ventilator and that, that we had put her in, in ICU for that period of time. And, um, and she ended up passing uh, the day after Christmas that year. And it was just such an awakening for me of, A, we really need to take our health totally seriously, and it should not be in anyone else's hands, period. Mm-hmm. And the second piece of it, really for me was, okay, so how do we get people healthy? But now how do I deal with this grief I had? Because for me, my grief was, it was the one meeting that I didn't go to. That if well, I would have gone to that meeting, it maybe it changed her mind, you know? But there's and, also that she had an internal conflict, didn't she? Yeah. Because, because she said, no, I'm doing this thing. And then when you did the natural thing as a result, which was to, you know, have them save her life, I guess, put her in ICU, the whole works, another part of her wished you hadn't done that? Oh, yeah. She was there. In fact... That puts you in a tough spot. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. And And you imagined if you'd been there, it would have gone differently. I would have probably not... I would have probably talked her into not having the surgery at all. But I believe that she had already made that decision because even though she had survived the stroke and she was doing well, she still had a very diminished capacity on that right side. I'm not sure she would have ever gained it fully. And I don't think she wanted to live that way. So again, if your thoughts, feelings, and emotions create your world and you see that this really isn't going to get better and this isn't how you want to be known and this isn't how you want people to see you, you're going to create a way to get out of that. So in the end, you, you, it sounds as if your beliefs helped you come to a sense of peace with her death and how it came about and, and her own story with it. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. And, and, and to how me, to, that's the thing. People have to get that, that death is a choice. When you die, how you die, at least that's my belief. And so I don't like it when people try to take my choices away, even if it's choosing what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. So do I really want to take other people's choices away? Well, that must deepen your work quite a bit because uh, what I hear in in the way you've talked so far is a lot of respect for what people are prepared to hear or not, uh, uh, an acceptance that they may not want to act on whatever it is you're seeing. You know, you sound pretty acceptant of that. And yeah. that's a hard thing to do when you feel like you've got the info. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And, and even a year and a half later, my father passed away. And my father um, was on dialysis at the time. And he was really tired of being on dialysis. 
but my brother, it wasn't palatable for him, for my dad just to say, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't like this anymore. He considered that suicide for him just to up and stop um, dialysis. So my father had to create cancer that metastasized throughout his body so that he was so sick he couldn't even stand up because he had vertigo so bad from, from um, this huge tumor that was on the back of his head. So finally when he got that diagnosis, literally he was so happy. He had just gotten a death sentence, and he was so happy that day. He went, I am so excited. I'm so happy to hear this. I'm not going to dialysis tomorrow. And in a week, he was dead. And but he had that was his gift to my brother that, you know, it was now palatable for him for dad to stop dialysis. That's interesting. I, I've had several guests who are very, um, whatever they're doing in their lives, it, it has to do uh, with having conversations about how we want to die and sharing that with your family. Um and and that's kind of between the lines, isn't it? And what you're talking about that yeah. um, if your brother had had to wait to accept your your father's um, decisions in that in that realm, um, they would have been at, at more peace earlier. Yeah. And were you quite peaceful with that because of the work you do, or how 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 were you relating to? what was going on with your dad? I was very peaceful with it because my dad had moved in with me. So I saw what he went through on a daily basis. You know, from a man that for me was bigger than life, from a World War II hero, from somebody who, you know, worked even up until he was 80 years old, he drove for the Shriner uh, Hospital. He would pick up Amish kids and take them to different Shriner hospitals for um, for um, services. So, I mean, he worked his whole life and served people his whole life. So to see him as this bigger-than-life uh, person and in that year that he lived with me go from walking with one cane to two canes to a walker to a wheelchair to me having to bathe him, I knew that that was harder on him than it was on me. For sure. And also it gets you prepared, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I was, uh, my mother's very ill right now, as a matter of fact, and I was talking with a friend whose father has the same illness, and we were talking about how it's really, you know, end game. How does that person want to go through the end of their life? But I know a lot of other people around me and my mother, um, the, their, their goal is living, yeah. staying in their bodies. And that's that's a real complication for people that are that are in that stage of life. Yeah. Do you and do my, you go ahead? My father and my mother in law both were in hospice in my house. And even the judgment from people around, like, oh my God, are you gonna tell people that when you try to sell your house someday? The two people died there, you know. I mean the the, the things that comes out of people's mouths are just amazing sometimes. Yeah, I, that used to be so common. I know my dad; uh, his his grandmother died in their home, and it wasn't it wasn't any bad thing. It was yep. just life. <laughs> you know, yep. That's what happens. You take care of someone, then they die, and then you go on. We've really gotten so distant from that, haven't we? Yeah, and I have to tell you, it was one of the biggest blessings to me and everyone in our family 
to, to literally have them here. And what I found amazing was I had so many late night conversations with some of the hospice nurses. Most of them were from Africa where they revere, you know, the elderly. Um, they have such utter respect. Most of them do pass in their homes. And so they're just very used to it. And one of the nurses in particular and I got to talking when she found out uh, what some of my talents were. And here, what one of her favorite things to do is to, when it's actually that time, is to watch them walk, walk out of their bodies. And so we were having this great conversation about how many people, how many conversations she's had and how many people that she has watched literally just leave their body at that moment. I, I this is to the side of what we're, you know, talking about with your work, but I think uh, hospice aides are, are some of the angels of the world. I um, agree. They, they really have to have some way to come at that, typically, that, that uh, you know, helps them want to be there. Yep. Uh, but, of course, many people I know who have ended up being there, like when my wife died, when your father died, it, it becomes something that is not, um, not frightening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a part of the whole, the whole thing, a part of life, yes? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, do, do you think that's changed? Uh, do people come to you maybe more regularly who are in that time of their lives? Um, you know, do, uh, I mean, I would imagine usually you're trying to help people live longer because that's what removing blocks helps to do, yes? But mm-hmm. sometimes do people uh, also come to your practice to kind of be at peace with the end of their lives yeah. and be physically at peace with that? Uh, I've had a handful. I can't say it's been a high percentage. Uh, and, and I'm certainly not saying <clears throat> I do anything like Dr. Kevorkian, but I do have some, you know, some energetic processes that can help to ease them at the end of life um, and to help diffuse some of all those medicines that are in their bodies and different things like that to make that transition easier for them. And I'm well, very select in how I do that. I, w- I was thinking in terms of this, um, what you brought up with your father is is the kind of dissonance between how a person might choose to... Uh, to die and and the fear that's sort of biological, yeah. uh, you know, and it seems to me that's kind of a block. That level of fear can be kind of a block. I don't really find that the people that are choosing to pass have as much of that block as the family members that call me and say, can you talk them out of it? Uh, what do you say when you get a call like that? Well, I, I, I'm more than happy to speak with the person that's passing, but literally nine and a half, if not more times out of 10, that person then sends me back to the family and says, can you please get them to let me go? Uh-huh. So then you, you end up being more a facilitator in some, in some yeah. sense. Yes. And I'm guessing that's easier with people who know you and already trust you. Uh, that's not necessarily true. No, it isn't. 
Nope, I'll get people from all over, all different belief systems, you know, and and really where I usually go with it is, is what we've already mentioned where it's like, look, what if this is really their choice? And, you know, nothing ever really dies. It's just energy that gets transmuted into something else. And what if you could communicate with them in some way, shape, or form after they left? I mean, even the average person will say something like, I just feel like my mom's still around. Or, you know, they notice different things. And so, in a way, you're giving giving the um, people who might be grieving a way to accept that as just a part of normal stuff. Yes. The death of the body. Yes. I think that's so important, Lynn, because um, there are people who don't want to, you know, it's kind of like death is the enemy. And that can really get in the way in terms of healing practices because, you know, they then feel there's failure if they don't get physically well. Uh, So it must be um, something you really bring that that that's a part of the story for you, too, that uh, they don't people don't have to live that yeah. death is also a part of of what our lives are made of yes and and there's a lot of people that I've worked on uh you know cancer can be a, a tricky thing especially in younger people where I will ask them the question you know what is it that you're creating this for what's the value for you and a lot of times they'll know I mean I've had women that Let's say the husband caught them having an affair, and um, and the husband basically said, "I'm going to take the house. I'm going to take the kids. I'm going to be ruthless about this divorce. Uh, I'm going to make sure you don't get anything." And instead of choosing to live and to deal with that and create something different, they literally will choose breast cancer, and and they're passed in less than four weeks. I, I'm I'm going to put in a word too, though that uh, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but that seems so complex to me that uh, we we influence our bodies, but maybe we're not completely in charge of our bodies. Can I put that word in? <laughs> Just because I work with people with cancer so much, and sometimes they they definitely will interpret the idea that they created something as an indictment. Well, it's it's time to go f- for our second break. So we'll we'll uh, pick up with Lynn again after the break. In these few minutes, be sure to go to my host page, goodgriefatmoistamerica.com, or my website, weatheringgrief.com. I'm available for individual and couples therapy in the San Francisco Bay Area and throughout California on the Regroup online platform. I'm also available to speak and consult with your group or organization. Please also find Lynn Waldrop at lynnwaldrop.com. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm Cheryl Jones, and my guest today is Lynn Waldrop a medical intuitive and we were we were talking before the break about a, a little bit of a sensitive subject in the cancer community which i'm which i work in um in terms of how much of what happens uh, how much of getting cancer has to do with ourselves and our creations how much it has to do with environmental um factors how much it has to do with the complicated uh, genetic picture, you know, um, and I, I'm assuming, and I, I think we talked a little bit in the break. I'm assuming you would agree that it's a complicated thing, and we're talking about the influence we maybe can have. Exactly, and and every every situation is different. So I'm just giving an example of this one particular particular uh, woman who just, you know, our thoughts, I guess my point is our thoughts are so strong. What we're choosing to create, we're creating all the time. So, you know, we just have to be careful what we're creating in our world and we can create all kinds of things. So let's choose to create all the yummy things that we can have in this universe. Absolutely. And the other thing I'm very aware of because this is what I work with most, is that we are entirely um, agents of our response. Uh, yes. You know, that, that we have, uh, since I know so many people with maybe the same diagnosis and their response is diametrically different, you know, everyone's response is different, that's where a lot of power comes in. And, and I'm guessing... Um, that people that would come to you to work with uh, something that's going on there in their body would automatically be people who want to have whatever influence they can have, who want to take some power over that creation, yes? Yeah, I've known people who have been, doctors have literally told them they're within eight hours of death, and that person changed their mind and said, Heck no, I'm changed my mind, I'm staying here, and literally cured themselves of whatever it was. 
That those must be quite awesome experiences to have to watch that happen. Yeah. So my point is, anything is possible. That's right. Right. You know, I think this would be a good uh, a good time just to experience your work a little bit, um, so that the listeners get a sense how you do it. Can we? Can we? Uh, can we get a little? Um, I don't know, a little taste of how you work with sure. people? Well, this one I'm going to do, to me, this is really what I would call a mind detox. Um, we're going to detox some things out of the cells of your body. But most of the time, I'm literally working with livers and kidneys and things like that. But what I thought would be good for the show is, you know, what are those phrases or those words that come up? So we're going to, we're going to try to detox the grief out of the cells of your body. From my point of view, from what I have experienced and seen in, in people, is that literally we operate off of this particular type of programming, even though we don't even remember how it got there or what, what we did to create that in there. So I know some people that literally have been operating from the point of view of grief for all their life, and they just can't seem to get out of it. Um, we talked a little earlier about the fear of death. A lot of people have a very, very strong fear of that. And again, don't really have any reason to know why. Mm. So a lot of this is just where it has been programmed into the cells of our body. And if we can get rid of the programming, we don't have to operate it from it anymore. Okay? Yep, I so hear you. So everybody just sit back and relax. And this is for everybody out there in the listening audience. There's no permission or anything needed. If you choose not to receive it, it'll just bounce off and go somewhere else. So there's no worries. So I'm just going to dive into the top of everybody's head. And literally, we're going to ask for each and every cell in your body just to open up. And everywhere you have a fear of death, everywhere you have grief, and whatever other phrases that come up for you that you want to throw in there, anger, depression, whatever all those things are, regret or guilt over a parent's passing or what you did or didn't do, things like that. Just go ahead and let all that bubble up right now. And as I move through the cells like a wave, all of that we're just pulling out of every cell in the body. And everywhere you've bought the point of view that like anger people store in the liver or certain emotions we store in different places, I have found that stuff stored anywhere. In fact, for me, most of the time, people like to store it where they can't even reach it. And it's, to me, it's one of the reasons why so many people have back problems because we can't reach back there. So we even like to hide our stuff from ourselves. <laughs> mm. so moving especially down that spinal cord. We want to go ahead and open all those cells and just release everything out of there. We're using your body's consciousness. I'm not really doing anything here. I'm just facilitating this and allowing your body to push out of it anything it doesn't want in there anymore. All of the programming. And we're going to follow it up with a nice alkalinity wash. Because acid pools in the body, anything that lowers your pH really facilitates dis-ease in the body. So just feel this yummy, yummy alkaline washed. 
washing over every cell. And now what I call a frequency bath. Every organ has its own frequency. Sciences are proven this as well. So as we move through, every cell can just pull in whatever the frequency is of that organ, making sure that everything all changes and moves and creates the greatest health possible for you in this moment. And one last exercise I give all my clients um, that their bodies are kind of screaming for right now is I don't personally take any supplements. You take whatever you want. I don't have any problem either way. But this is how I do it. It might be something you might want to choose. We're just going to pull through, all the way through. Don't hold on to it. Pull it all the way through your body. Any vitamin, mineral, hormone, amino acid, protein, whatever that is that your body requires right now, every cell to make it operate at peak perfection. And you just pull that through your body right now. Pull, 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 pull. And the last thing, if anybody's trying to go to sleep, you might not want to listen to this part right now, but we're going to go ahead and sweep this energy up through everybody's feet. Whatever energy, whatever frequency would make every cell in your body literally clap and jump for joy, we want to just pull that right up through the feet and all the way up and out the top of the head. And that's just kind of a snippet of what I do. Right now, I'm wishing that this was a call-in show. <laughs> so that we could hear what that was like for people. I know um, it felt energizing for me. Good. I, I feel pretty energetic now. That might be partly because I'm enjoying our conversation. And, and partly from, um, uh, I, you know, there's a sense of being washed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know um, sometimes when I meditate, I'll call it being, um, you know, it's kind of a toothbrush for the soul. Mm-hmm. And this seemed like a toothbrush for the body. Does I like it. <laughs> I like it. But from the inside out. But from the inside out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the inner body, not the outer body. Huh? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um. I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of say the different ways people, you know, in your bio, you, you talked some about different ways you do your work. And um, I'd, like, I'd like you to direct people to where they can find your work and, and work with you if they'd like to do that. Sure. My website is Lynn Waldrop, L-Y-N-N-W-A-L-D-R-O-P.com. And on there, I do a lot of different things. There's a site for Access Consciousness. If anybody's ever heard of that, you can click on the Access section. Cheryl had mentioned I had a radio show for two and a half years. All of my old episodes uh, are listed up there under Lynn's radio show, so you can feel free to go back and listen to any of the shows and kind of figure out a little bit more about who I am and what I do. Um, there's a tab on there for the body channel. And if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get a free MP3 called the Body Boost, where we actually kind of do an entire, not a facelift, but an entire body lift with the body. 
It's an MP3 that you, you'll get that you can download and you can use. And if you like it under sessions, it'll give you some information. I will tell you that um, I will be going on Darius's um, Tata Summit, uh, uh, New Wealth Revolution, and in October, and the packages will be um, really well-priced and nice, big, juicy packages. So um, you may want to wait until then. But if you join up for the newsletter, you also get a lot of discounted offers through the newsletter through me. So it's a a more expensive way uh, to connect with me. And you can always contact me uh, through the website as well through Contact Us. And and it sounds as if you do some ongoing groups too. I know that would probably be in your local area. But do I have that right? Um, I don't really have a big thing local other than uh, I'm known as the tuning fork lady in Atlanta. And it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> we haven't talked about the tuning fork too much, have we? No, no. They're a lot of fun, though. Um, but ISTA is the International Sound Therapy Association, and I'm a member there. And they have a cymatics conference in October that I'll be speaking at. And um, they have a lot of wonderful things going on there. It's Power of Sounds with an S on the end, dot com. So uh, I do a lot of classes through them because mm. they teach a lot of different types of sound work, and mine is a little unusual. Uh huh. Well, I'm a, I'm a um, singer, and I know that that there's a lot of power. I I can, you know, feel a certain way and sing a song and feel entirely differently by the end of it. So oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's a, that's an example in my world, and I'll I'll look up more about how you how you do that. You know, we just have a couple of minutes left. I'm wondering if you have dreams for where you'd like your work to go. You've just finished a phase uh, with, uh, you know, completing your work with the radio show. Do you have a next dream? Uh, I do, actually. Um, A couple of very interesting things. I have been uh, told for years and years that I would work with horses. With horses? Mm-hmm. And my very last radio show on Voice America, we did the body channel work, and a woman came on, and she was so fascinated. She said, you know, I would love for you to work on me, but the truth is, I'd rather you work on my thoroughbred horse. Huh. And she said, have you ever done that? And I said, no. So I got to dive in a horse for the first time, and it was a really interesting experience, and pretty much, you know, everything was spot on. And so I really enjoyed it. So I would love to, to really hook up with the um, horse community. There's got to be something there because I keep receiving this information about horses for about the last five years. So that's one of the things. And the other one is I actually had, um, the, I guess he's the Prince of England, George, before he was born, come visit me and tell me that we would meet someday. And so I have been doing uh, just different work and being aware of what I need to do to set that path um, on its course and, and, you know, I don't know, a chance to work with somebody in the royal family would be pretty cool. It would be. And also you're, you're bringing up the idea that uh, just because we have an idea what might happen doesn't mean we, have, we don't have to do our own part. We have to do our own part, don't we? <laughs> Yeah, oh, Lynn, agree. thanks so much for our conversation today. It's It's been great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, everybody. And once again, be sure to find Lynn Waldrop at www.lynnwaldrop.com. Next week, join me and my guest, Lena Jones, whose book from, from Ashes to the Moon on Abandonment, Abuse, and Spirituality is scheduled to be published next summer, 2015. 
Don't forget to go to my host page at Voice America to connect with me in any way that's best for you. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.